Welcome to SF Site Audio. In this review, we'll be listening to Directive 51 by John Barnes, read by Susan Erickson, produced by Brilliance Audio, about 21 and a half hours in length. All you cyber junkies, technophiles, and just anyone enjoying today's modern comforts, enjoy them while you can, because if John Barnes' new novel, Directive 51, is a glimpse into our future, we could easily find ourselves flung back to times where technology doesn't exist. Directive 51 takes a look at an America where terrorists, both foreign and domestic, all attack at once. And not only are the creature comforts threatened, but so is the Constitution of the United States of America. The year is 2024, and many factions are tired of America's slothfulness and reliance upon technology. This time, they all band together in a movement called Daybreak and bring not only America, but the world to its knees. Think about this in today's political world. There are many factions of those that want, you know, things to change in America. You've got potentially violent militias, KKK, other political factions such as the Tea Party movement. You've even got Greenpeace, PETA, and many more. Now picture that on one day, all these groups got together and since the big picture was to bring down the government and big business, they all attack in their own way, all at the same time. Throw into this mix a Muslim terrorist group that has secretly infiltrated this domestic movement, and our government would be scrambling, not knowing which side the enemy was hitting from. Being slightly set in the future, John Barnes has created some nasty domestic weapons that these daybreakers use. Weapons, such as Nanoswarm, which are tiny microscopic robots that attack electronics using the parts to reproduce the swarm and get carried along in the wind, destroying cars, computers, MP3 players, and anything electronic. Next, we throw in a bioweapon that destroys plastics and other man-made compounds, reducing them to a smelly pile of mush. That would definitely put a hurt on today's society. Daybreak looks sort of like the formation of an international terrorist movement, sort of like a philosophic discussion, sort of like an artist's movement, sort of like a college fad, and sort of like a shared world online game. It's a complex of closely related ideas that strongly attract maybe 5 million people worldwide with a hardcore of about 100,000, of which maybe 30,000 are in this country. Daybreak people identify with Daybreak the way communists identify with the revolution. Fungidelicals identify with the rapture. Or techno-geeks identify with the singularity. But Daybreak seems to involve many thousands of people doing widespread sabotage and wrecking all at once. It could change overnight to self-organizing, spontaneous, widespread terrorism, maybe. In Directive 51, this happens along with the kidnapping of the vice president. As the VP's plane is being hunted by the military, the nanoswarm and plastic-eating biotes are wreaking havoc on the system. The VP's plane is found flying back to the United States through the Baja Peninsula in Mexico. And just as the plane is being tracked, daybreak strikes again, taking out the radar systems on the west coast. The plane is also loaded with a super-powerful nuclear fusion bomb and headed for the final game of the World Series in Anaheim, California. Before the plane reaches its destination, it is shot down over the California desert, killing the vice president if he weren't already dead. 
This devastates the president, who was lifelong best friends with his vice president, and the president loses his mental faculties and resigns. This is where the governmental structure of America begins to deteriorate, much like the plastics. In searching for the next successor, the turmoil begins. The actual next successor is not a natural-born citizen, so, according to the Constitution, he cannot hold the office. The next in line is a senator that has been around since the 70s and is a cantankerous liberal Democrat. He immediately begins promising jobs soon and not listening to the reports of the food riots, violence, and deteriorating infrastructure in America. Instead, he rides around in a limousine and makes promises. Thanks to technology getting destroyed by daybreak, the only form of mass communication is a brand new newspaper set up by a woman that remembers the days of newspapers, but when she begins supporting the Republican candidate in her paper, yes, it's also an election year, the acting president sends his newly formed special group of guards to arrest her and cease operations of the newspaper. By order of the acting president of the United States, this company is to cease publication immediately and all staff present on the premises are to come with us. You are also to turn over all materials, supplies, and equipment to us. You may petition to have them returned when the present emergency... On what charges? Rusty asked. And do you have a warrant? We don't need a warrant. We're not cops. We're here from the president, the taller and more muscular of the two young men said. And it's a national security emergency, and you're under arrest. Read your constitution. You don't come onto this porch without a warrant. And if you're going to arrest me, you have to tell me what the charges against me are. It's not your constitution, the man said, and drew his gun. This book goes on with many more turnovers in the government. And while at the same time, Americans are having to struggle and reform without the use of any technology. Just when you think the book is about to come to a peaceful, happy ending, the author throws in another wrench into the works. This book takes what is best about the U.S. government and people and puts them to the test, showing that the culture can survive, but it is not easy. Even through a possible civil war, it is the Constitution that keeps America alive. John Barnes shows this extremely well in what can be called a thinking man's sci-fi novel. I might not even start to show for another few weeks, the doctor says. But he had enough working gadgets to be able to tell me, yep, I've got a healthy little person inside me. The younger woman hugged her. Heather, I know for you it's probably a pain in the ass, or somewhere around there, eventually. You are walking proof that the world is going to go on, and the human race isn't beat yet. And that's how I'm going to look at it. Listen, I've been seeing a nice guy named Everett. He's a civilian contractor guy, used to be part of base security, and him and me just got quarters together. We were thinking of throwing a housewarming. Can we throw you a little party? Just something to celebrate, because there's something to celebrate? The reader, Susan Erickson, has a tough job in reading this one, but she pulls it off beautifully. I've listened to other audiobooks read by Erickson and have always been amazed by her ability to create many different characters with her voice. And in this book, she carries on with that same talent. 
each character is given their own vocal qualities, and not only does it make it easy to discern who is talking or thinking, but also Erickson makes the vocal qualities match the personality. This novel will have you entertained, enlightened, and constantly thinking about society and politics. Great combination of social commentary, political debate, and sci-fi are worked into Directive 51 by John Barnes. Reviewing for SF Site, I'm Guilty Wilson.